Rinkwide Vancouver. Vancouver Canucks pick up three of a possible four points on this Super Bowl weekend after the disappointment of the overtime loss in Detroit on Saturday. They got it right in Washington, D.C., the Canucks downing the Capitals by a score of 3-2 to two in overtime. This is Rinkwide Vancouver. Usually, we are in our Rinkwide studio in the lower lobby of the Wall Center Hotel. This time, we're coming your way remotely, but we do like to mention that uh, the Wall Center Central is located in the heart of it all, sports theater district, restaurants, shopping, all just a short walk away, whether you have people in from out of town and you're considering a place for them to stay or you're looking for a staycation for yourself, be sure to consider the Wall Center. It's a solo show today. All of my usual co-hosts are, I'll say on assignment, but I think they all have Super Bowl plans. So uh, it's you and it's me and it's a hockey game that we're going to break down here as the Canucks got off to another slow start. And this is a concerning trend now. It's not one or two games. They've given up the first goal in six straight. But ultimately, it's not how you start. It is how you end. And the Vancouver Canucks will take these two points, add them to the single point they got in Motown. Also, the win that they had in Carolina. And all of a sudden, they're 2-1-1, one, and one, four games into this five-game road trip. And they're heading for Chicago on Tuesday. And a pretty good chance to get a win against the Blackhawks there. If they do, they'll come home Three, one, and one, seven of a possible 10 points from the road trip. So it hasn't been perfect by any stretch. There have been some uh, stretches of hockey that I think are a little troubling. And, you know, when you look at the early parts of these games, this time it was a minute and eight seconds in, the former Canuck, Nick Dowd, is able to convert a centering pass. And all of a sudden, the Canucks are playing uphill again. And you wonder when you think of all of the star power that the Canucks have, all of the difference makers. The veteran presence on defense, whether it's Ian Cole, whether it's Tyler Myers, guys like Quinn Hughes have been at it, and Heronic. Like, this isn't a young group. Really inexcusable for giving up all of these early goals. I know earlier on the trip it was shorthanded efforts, and that was an issue. But you got to be ready from the drop of the puck, especially when you are the top team in the National Hockey League, and teams are going to be gunning for you. So... Six straight games now that the Canucks have given up the first goal. It happened at the tail end of the homestand to both St. Louis and Columbus. And now all four games on the trip. And the four on the road trip, four and a half minutes into Carolina, first minute goals in both Boston and Detroit. And then this one, Dowd at 108. And it was Ian Cole and Tyler Myers. And, you know, Rick Talkin always talks about being connected. Too much room in between both the defensemen kind of caught watching, and there was Nick Dowd, who's having a nice season. He may not be a capital for a whole lot longer. His name is uh, in trade talks, and he gets his eighth of the season. I thought for the rest of the first period, though, the Canucks were the better team, and they ended up out shooting Washington 10-7. to Connor Garland was able to respond and tied the game at one. Great finish by Garland. But what a headman pass by Noah Juleson. And certainly there's been some love for Juleson here in the last couple of days. I thought he had a strong game in Detroit and backed it up with another one here. And look, you know, since we last recorded a rink wide right after the Detroit game, Nikita Zadorov gets a two-game suspension, so unavailable for this one and won't play in Chicago on Tuesday. That meant that guys like Noah Juleson were going to see an increased role. Mark Friedman playing for the first time in forever in the National Hockey League, and Friedman didn't play an awful lot in this game. The Canucks essentially went with five, and Friedman got just over 11 minutes of ice time. Noah Juleson, headman pass, onto the tape of Garland, and Garland moving in from that right side. His ninth of the season tied the game midway through the first period, and 
you get out of the opening 20 on the road uh, in a one-all tie and you've outshot your opponent. Like, I think all things considered, a decent first period for the Canucks aside from giving up another early goal. That said, into the second period, and again, they fall behind. And look, for the most part, I thought this game was sort of the way the Capitals want to play. They don't score very often. Uh, they are one of the lowest scoring teams in the National Hockey League. And Canucks have five guys on their roster with more points than any member of the Washington Capitals. And so the Capitals have to find ways to keep it close, grind uh, opponents down. They were coming off an impressive win in Boston on Saturday, but that was their first win in six games. And so, you know, they have been scuffling along here. And yet they got back out in front of the Canucks. It was Alex Ovechkin. Uh, all the talk about Ovechkin earlier this year about is the end near? Is he just running out of time? Well, all of a sudden, Alex Ovechkin has scored in five straight games. Uh, wasn't pretty. Wasn't a conventional Ovechkin one-timer from his office. Shot deflects in off Nils Oman. And despite the Canucks doing some decent things again in that second period, uh, there were the Capitals who were back in front. And so is it troubling? I'm not sure. Is it worth noting? Yeah, absolutely, that the Vancouver Canucks aren't the front runners that they have been for so much of this season. And, I mean, that happens. When you give up the first goal, now you're chasing the game. And so they did well to get it back to one all, And they did well to get it back on even terms in the second period, just a minute and 11 seconds after the Ovechkin goal. Nils Hoaglander getting this opportunity that so many people have wanted to see from this guy to play with Elias Pettersson, to play higher in the lineup. And for the second straight game, Nils Hoaglander comes through for the Vancouver Canucks, takes the drop pass from Pettersson around the right side. And you saw the hands that this guy has demonstrated at every level that he's played at in tight, but still able to get it up under the bar on the backhand. Impressive stuff from Hoaglander up to 16 goals on the season now for the Canucks winger. So I do wonder, like, if he gets an extended run with Elias Pettersson, he's up to 16 goals now. Most of those goals, well, they've all come at even strength, but most of them have come lower in the lineup with other guys that don't think the game, obviously, the way that Elias Pettersson does. So what would an extended look for Hoaglander? You know, what might that do if he gets a chance to play 10, 15 games in a row with a guy like Elias Pettersson, we'll see. But a nice weekend for Nils Hoaglander in what has been a very nice season for him. He's up to 16 goals, and his goal uh, at the 848 mark of that second period, it ties the game 2-2. It goes to the third period, tied at 2, and I'm thinking to myself, all right, like right, you're the Canucks. You haven't been great in this game. But you have all these guys that wore your colors at the All-Star Weekend. Like, somebody. All it takes is one guy to be the difference maker in a tight game like this. Again, against a Washington team that struggles to get that third goal. And so I actually like the position the Canucks were in going to the third period. Ultimately, they didn't score in the third. But they did score in overtime. And it was JT Miller with his 23rd of the year. Five seconds left. The dreadful turnover Overtime started slowly, but then it opened up and back and forth. They traded the chances. Brock Besser uh, had a great opportunity from Quinn Hughes. And then the Capitals went back the other way. Sandine, I think Demko stopped it at first. I thought maybe Sandine had hit the post, whatever the case. Thatcher Demko, you know, I talk about all these guys that represented the Canucks and difference makers. You know, in my mind, I'm thinking like one of them has to come through to score to win. But in order to keep the Canucks in a position to score to win the hockey game, they need another guy that was at the All-Star Weekend, and that was Thatcher Demko, who was terrific in this game and you know, arrested Thatcher Demko, had the day off in Detroit, back at it, and he came up big. And again, the Capitals aren't, uh, you know, they're not the Colorado Avalanche. They're 
no, this high-flying team that uh, they have been in the past, but they certainly generated some opportunities in this game. And I, I thought Thatcher Demko uh, was up to the challenge. He gives up two. He doesn't give up the third one. And, you know, at the end, it was a question of who would blink. And ultimately, it was Darcy Kemper. And JT Miller is able to salvage the victory for the Canucks on what I thought was one of Miller's quietest nights or afternoons of the season so far. Like, there really wasn't a whole lot there in JT Miller's game. There wasn't a whole lot in Brock Besser's game. And Elias Lindholm, the other member of that line, Lindholm's played four games now as a member of the Vancouver Canucks. Obviously, the great debut with the two goals in Carolina. But since then, it's been mixed results, to say the least. I just, I don't see it. I don't see it happening with Miller and Besser, that trio. And Elias Lindholm lasted two games with Elias Pettersson, and Rick Tockett was quick to move off that. I wonder if he'll stick with that group of Besser and Miller and Lindholm. On the afternoon, when you look at Elias Lindholm, of those three, I thought Lindholm was the most prominent just in terms of, you know, three shots on goal, seven attempts. He was really good in the face-off circle, went nine and two on the draw, so 82%. Uh, for Elias Lindholm, in terms of winning faceoff, the Canucks crush the Capitals in the faceoff circle. But, you know, a, a quiet game for Miller aside from the game winner. And for Brock Besser, not a whole lot happened in there either. Just two shots on goal. One of them came on that overtime chance that I talked about when he was set up by Quinn Hughes. So it's gone a little quiet for Brock. It's going to be heard from again before the season is through. But it just feels like in the here and now, not looking nearly as dangerous not getting the looks. I know we talked after the Detroit game that he and JT Miller combined for 20 shot attempts and it just didn't feel that way in this hockey game in Washington. The final stat sheets has Besser two shots on goal, five attempts. But, you know, this could have been a much different story, obviously. I mentioned Thatcher Demko doing his part. The Canucks were gifted a power play with three minutes to go. Beck Malenstein with the puck up over the glass. The power play is very much an issue on this road trip. I scored twice in Carolina, Lindholm those first two goals, but we know about the shorthanded goals that the power play has given up. They seem to have stemmed the tide there, but 0 for 3 on the power play in this one, after going 0 for 3 in Detroit as well, tight games where a power play goal could have made the difference. Again, the Canucks win, and the fact that they give up a single point to an Eastern opponent means absolutely nothing. So whether it's regulation, whether it's overtime, or whether it was going to take a shootout, and it certainly looked like this one was headed towards the skills competition. But when you get a power play with three minutes to go in a two-all hockey game, like, that's go time. And this power play, for whatever reason, seems like it's in a funk. And it's bizarre to say that, and especially how quickly... Lindholm paid dividends in his first game, and you thought, all right, like this guy's being added now to this power play. Remember how red hot the power play was going into the All-Star break and then coming out of it as well, went two for three in Carolina. But since then in Carolina, power play has just gone ice cold for the Vancouver Canucks. So certainly something to monitor. It had a chance to put the hammer down and get out of Dodge with a regulation win. Didn't do that. They go to overtime, and ultimately the Vancouver Canucks win it on JT Miller's 23rd goal of the season. So 35th win of the year for the Vancouver Canucks. They're now 35-12-6. That's up to 76 points on the season. But if you're looking at the process, as the coach does, and we'll hear from the coach a little bit later on on this episode, you know, it is the process. And maybe this is just the dog days. Uh, This was the Canucks' 29th road game of the season. If it feels like they've played a lot of road games. They have uh, nobody in the National Hockey League has played more games as the visitor this season than the Vancouver Canucks right now. Uh, This was their 29th and they have been a terrific road team. So 
I give them credit in that regard. That's one of the reasons they are where they are at the top of the standings because uh, this is a club that uh, has won now as much on the road as it has at home, and we know that uh, they've been terrific on home ice. And so the, the flip side there is that all of these road games, once they get through Chicago on Tuesday, they will finish with 17 of their final 28. So the split will be 17 and 11 over the final 28 including a nine-game homestand. They're pretty much at home for the month of March. So, you know, there's a lot of reasons to think that the Vancouver Canucks are going to be able to keep on or at this pace. Uh, And a lot of it is because they have been lights out good at home. They just haven't played as much hockey on home ice as they have away from home. But overall, not a perfect effort, not by a long shot, especially when you consider the level of the opponent here in the the Capitals. But uh, a win is a win. And as we said a little bit earlier, just get on to Chicago, do what you have to do, get a victory against the Blackhawks because everybody beats the Blackhawks. And it's going to be pretty hard to argue if the Canucks can come home with seven of a possible 10 points from this road trip. Now, a couple of things. We talked about the power play and the fact that uh, it struggled. Really interesting usage, I thought, from Rick Tockett earlier in the hockey game in as much as the second unit started a couple of power plays, and there was one where the second unit basically ate up the entire two minutes, and it's just something that we haven't seen throughout this season. A second unit hasn't been given much of an opportunity, and when they've been out there, they haven't done an awful lot. Also, another wrinkle there, no Sam Lafferty in the lineup for the second straight day, and so Dakota Joshua got an opportunity to be the net front presence. We haven't seen him get a whole lot of power play time throughout the season, but there was big number 81 manning the front of the net. So I like the fact that Rick Tockett was sort of reading the room. The first unit hasn't been great, given up the shorthanded goals, whatever the case, like why not throw the second unit a little bit of a bone? But in saying that, I saw a lot of people on social as well saying like, great, you go to Dakota Joshua on the second unit, where's Nils Hoaglander? And it is a fair question. It's one that I think Rick Tockett's going to have trouble continuing to answer here when Hoaglander is scoring and up to 16 goals now, and I had to go and look it up, there is nobody in the National Hockey League that has scored more goals this season with no power play points than Nils Hoaglander. In fact, he's the only guy in the league. Like He stands alone as the only guy in the National Hockey League with 16 goals now and not a single power play point. So again, it seems strange, especially with how cold Ilya Mikheyev is, but Mikheyev seems to continue to be able to keep his spot on that second unit for whatever reason. Power play didn't hurt the Vancouver Canucks, but uh, ultimately it didn't help them. But it was interesting, at the very least, to watch the deployment of the two groups here and the fact that uh, whether it was message sending. And speaking of message sending and just the sort of groups of players, when we said that it wasn't JT Miller's best game, I thought fascinating to watch overtime start. Rick Tockett begins overtime with Elias Lindholm and Pia Suter along with Quinn Hughes and follows that up with Elias Pettersson and Connor Garland. It took until the third group of forwards out to see JT Miller along with Brock Besser, and I do think that was clear message sending that those guys just weren't going in this hockey game. But again, it speaks to the Canucks' depth that even on a day when JT Miller's not going, you know, he shows up and, oh yeah, the Canucks have two wins on this road trip. Guess who's got the winner in both of them? JT Miller. So... You know, he got the third period goal and broke a two-all tie in Carolina on Tuesday. And here, five seconds to go in OT, puck squirts free to him. And all it takes is, uh, you know, one-shot shooter for a guy like JT Miller picked his spot. 
and nailed it. And the Canucks uh, able to skate out of Washington, D.C. with the 3-2 victory. Still ahead here on this episode of Rinkwide Vancouver, we're without a co-host, but we'll have all the usual features. You're going to get into the locker room. You're going to hear the, the three-star selection. We'll check the three stars as picked in the building there. We're certainly counting on you. If I don't have a co-host, then uh, we're going to dip into the the listener channels and the feedback and uh, see what you thought of this one as the Canucks continue on on this trip. And of course, uh, we'll have a stat that stands out and some thoughts ahead on what's to come on this road trip finale. So the Vancouver Canucks getting used to this overtime thing. This was back-to-back this weekend. It was the third time in five games, sixth time in the last dozen hockey games for the Vancouver Canucks. So a lot of bonus hockey. And you've heard me say before, with all these game breakers, like it just it amazes me that the Canucks aren't a little bit better in overtime. And this was sort of proof of that, that like, I think they should win more often than not when games go to overtime. Their record now in games that are decided in three-on-three is four-and-four. Four. So eight times games have actually been decided in overtime. A couple of shootouts, and they avoid the shootout in this one. But they are 0-2 in shootouts on the season. So overall on the season, 10th trip. Beyond regulation time, the Canucks are 4-6 and six after getting this one right. A 3-2 victory in Washington over the Capitals. This is rink-wide Vancouver, and it is a presentation of Seagram's VO. Now, originally introduced back in the early 1900s, Seagram's VO was designed as a wedding gift from Joseph E. Seagram for his son. Barrels were set aside in the warehouse, specifically marked VO for the family's very own whiskey. Now, Joseph E., He liked the product so much that he decided to take it to market. Well, the rest is history. Seagram's VO went on to become one of the most successful whiskeys ever to come from this country. It's available uh, here in British Columbia. You can check it out online on the BC Liquor Store website. Seagram's VO Select, currently available there. Or you can go to your nearest liquor store and make it your very own. And we appreciate Seagram's VO and their support of Rinkwide Vancouver. It's a one-man show here this afternoon. Jeff Patterson with you. Thanks so much for joining us here. We'll carry on. We've got more of Rinkwide Vancouver coming up. hear from the coach here in a second. You're going to hear from Connor Garland and Thatcher Demko as well. 3-2, the Canucks in overtime. Defeat the Washington Capitals. They're 2-1-1 on the road trip now. Move on to Chicago on Tuesday. All right, uh, it is time for a little post-game audio, so we'll get inside the locker room. All clips on rink-wide Vancouver, our presentation of Mr. Lube and Rick Tockett is talking about uh, his team having to grind through uh, you know, middle of the season, middle of a road trip, one of those games that they had to find a way, and ultimately they did. Well, it's just a mucky game. You're going to have these games in an 82-game schedule. You know, it's a thought some guys were tired, which that means you have to play smart. And we, we turned the puck over a few times halfway through the game. I thought we were a little bit better as the game went on, but some games you got to play when you don't have your legs and you got to play smart. Called it a, a mucky game. I like that. That's uh, And it was. It, it was not a classic, not by long shot, but you know, trailing twice and they find a way to get the victory. Uh, that turns into a pretty good uh, two points for the Vancouver Canucks. Talking also uh, throwing some love to two of his smaller forwards, but two guys whose engines are always going. He talks about Connor Garland at the back end, but starts by asking or answering a question about the play of Niels Hoaglander. I thought he was really good. I, I, don't, I don't know. He only got 11, 12. I don't know how I thought he played him, but... Uh... I thought Hoggy was dog on the bone. You know, that, these games when um, 
you know some guys are tired, you can tell, for whatever reason. Guys like Hoggy shine because he's a motor. I thought Garland and him were our best players. They were Garland was excellent tonight. So, um, you know, give them, those two guys a lot of credit tonight. Yeah, dog on a bone is <laughs> the way that he described uh, Nils Hoaglander there. And, and not wrong. Like, the, that's what keeps Hoaglander in the lineup. And obviously the goals... I don't want to say they're gravy because you don't get to 16 without uh, putting your skill on display. But uh, so much of what Hoaglander uh, comes by offensively is because of the motor always running the hard work and Connor Garland, big goal there. You know, when the Canucks are down one nothing, if the Caps get that next one, like all of a sudden that hill gets pretty steep. And so the Garland goal I thought was was big uh, and kind of settled the Canucks in and settled them down in the hockey game and got them back on even footing. Connor Garland after the game uh, talked about the fact that you know, they let one get away in Detroit. They had their moments or they had the opportunity still to win it in overtime, although overtime only lasted the 23 seconds before Jake Wallman scored on that penalty shot. But uh, the Canucks didn't want to make it two days in a row where they got to overtime and uh, all they got was a single point. Yeah, obviously, you know, losing one in overtime, is, you know, it's in the back of your mind. You don't want to have a couple slip away. Um, but, you know, we... Uh, it's a, it's a good finish by Millsy. It's always one of the best players in the league. Not many guys can get it on and off their stick that quickly. So it was, it was a great play. Yeah, Connor Garland, a little love there for JT Miller, one of the best players in the National Hockey League, as uh, Garland says, and he showed it, uh, pulling the trigger on uh, the game winner in overtime. And maybe the Canucks don't win this thing in OT unless Thatcher Demko makes many of the 32 saves, faced 34 shots. Capitals outshoot the Canucks 34-32 on the afternoon and Thatcher Demko with 32 saves to pick up another win. And of course, for him, it was bouncing back after the disappointment at his personal win streak snapped in Boston the other day. But uh, Thatcher Demko back in the win column and uh, just talked about the fact that this hockey club uh, had to battle through some challenges to get the victory. Yeah, I mean, it was just a game we had to stick with it. Um, you know, on a back-to-back, uh, travel, all that stuff. So sometimes it's not going to be pretty. Um, but, you know, just staying with it mentally, um, you know, it was a, a kudos to the group in there. Yeah, it wasn't pretty, but it looks all right now. Two more points for the Vancouver Canucks as they move on out of D.C. and into Chicago for Tuesday night. All the post-game audio here on Rinkwide Vancouver, a presentation of Mr. Lube, 100% Canadian, pioneers of the no-appointment oil change. All of their work is warranty-approved and now providing tire service and sale as well. No appointment necessary, 16 locations in the Lower Mainland for one near you. Uh, check out the website, mrlube.com. All right, to the rink-wide Vancouver Three Stars selection. I won't see this very often on the road. The Canucks with a clean sweep of the Three Stars in a game where Alex Ovechkin scores a goal. But uh, the Three Stars is selected by the media in Washington. JT Miller, Thatcher Demko, and Connor Garland. Miller gets the nod because he scores the winner, but really that's all he did in this hockey game. Uh, and I don't want to, like diminish the significance of scoring the game winner. But uh, when we're talking about the best players on the ice, I, I don't think that was JT Miller having watched him every night this year for the Canucks. Uh, this was far from his best game. So I'm going to move Thatcher Demko up the list there. And the rink-wide Vancouver three stars, I'm going Thatcher Demko number one. I just thought uh, there were times in this game when the Canucks were trailing that he had to make the saves that he did. And you saw uh, what a difference maker he can be for this hockey club. Connor Garland with the goal, but on top of that, six shots on goal, and just on his horse all afternoon, uh, again, uh, it turned out to be... Uh, what a turn of events, really, when you think of some of the heat that Connor Garland was getting in this market earlier because he wasn't scoring, and now uh, scores his ninth of the year, 
And the six shots on goal had uh, seven attempts on the afternoon. Overtime shifts as well. Gives you a sense of uh, what the coach thought of his performance. And you heard that from Rick Tockett a moment ago as well. So I'm going with Connor Garland as the second star. And how can you not at least throw a little love Ovi's way? Again, it wasn't a classic goal, but it was a goal. And his 13th of the season still has a lot of work to do. I mean, it's an underwhelming total for Alex Ovechkin, but he's up to 835 now uh, in his incredible career. 15 of those 835, by the way, have come against the Vancouver Canucks, so he hasn't torched the Canucks an awful lot uh, through the years, hasn't faced them all that much with the East-West thing, but uh, Ovi's at 835, so 60 to go to move past Wayne Gretzky and become the greatest goal scorer of all time in the National Hockey League, and we'll see if he can get there. Uh, slowing down, certainly. And, you know, back-to-back games for him, probably a challenge at the stage of uh, his career's advanced stage of his career, but found a way. Scored the empty netter in Boston to seal the victory and backs that up with goals now in five straight games for Alex Ovechkin. So uh, he's starting to come a little bit slowly, whatever the case. One of the all-time greats, no doubt about it. And found his way onto the score sheet here seven minutes into the second period. So the three stars again, I've got Demko, I've got Garland, and I've got Alexander Ovechkin. All right, still ahead here on the program, we've got a stat that stands out. We'll get inside the feedback channels. So I want to hear from you. I'm going solo here today. I want your thoughts on this thing as well. So uh, we'll certainly incorporate some of your texts, tweets, and other social media posts on uh, the Canucks win in Washington. And we'll uh, wrap things up with a thought or two on the next opponent, the Chicago Blackhawks on Tuesday at United Center. The Canucks down the Capitals, 3-2 in overtime. This is Rinkwide Vancouver. Canucks 3-2 winners in Washington. They're on to Chicago. We'll talk a little bit about what's ahead in the Windy City on Tuesday in a moment. We'll get to listener feedback here on Rinkwide as well. But before we do any of that, we've got a stat that stands out. And on an afternoon where the Vancouver Canucks defeat the Washington Capitals 3-2, of course, this was back-to-back for them. But beyond that, four in six games coming out of the All-Star break. And you know that Quinn Hughes plays a lot for the Vancouver Canucks. That's not a surprise. But these are the types of days when you have to sit back and just marvel that on the second of back-to-backs with Zadorov suspended, and we talked about the fact that Mark Friedman barely crested 11 minutes of ice time. Yeah, this is a stat that stands out. Quinn Hughes plays 29 minutes and 17 seconds for the Vancouver Canucks. So up over 29 minutes for the fourth time this season. That's the captain. That is some leadership. He picks up an assist and very nearly set up Brock Besser for what would have been the winner before J.T. Miller ultimately scored the game-winning goal. But uh, never surprised by Quinn Hughes, but just uh, continue to marvel at all of this guy does. And he figured on the scoring, he had an assist in this hockey game. He gets the second assist on the Nils Hoaglander goal. And so he's one assist, uh, one assist now one point. Doesn't have to be an assist, because uh, we've seen him score some goals. But uh, Quinn Hughes moves within a single point now of fifth place all-time among Vancouver Canuck defender scoring. Now, he's going to go to the top of the list. We know that, but it's just remarkable to think this guy's played 335 career games and he's already knocking on the door of being a top five defenseman uh, in scoring. And and I I pointed this out on Twitter about a week ago and just that, you know, this market, this organization basically has waited half a century to have a game-changing defenseman. 
and then he arrives on the scene and now is doing things on a nightly basis, <laughs> being compared to Bobby Orr and Paul Coffey. So uh, fun to watch on a, a nightly basis. I don't know if he was at his very, very best, but I know that he wasn't at his best in Detroit, and so I'm sure he wanted to atone for his ways and uh, puts in a shift or two or a whole bunch more than that when the Canucks were a little on the short, shorthanded on the back end uh, with the suspension to Zadorov and Quinn Hughes rising to the challenge uh, for his hockey club. All right, let's get into some of the listener feedback here and the things that you were thinking and, and saying after uh, the 3-2 win over the Capitals. And of course, uh, teams will meet again in Vancouver. This is the first of two meetings, so Washington will be here as part of that nine-game homestand uh, in March. They're in on a on a Saturday night. But uh, our listener feedback channels at Rinkwide Van. Chris says, power play needs to start hitting the back of the net. Don't want this to become a thing. Good on them for sticking to their system overall, though. Would be easy to try to change after all the early goals lately. Yeah, we touched on the fact that uh, falling behind is not uh, the blueprint for success for the Vancouver Canucks. Certainly not the way that they've had success this season. But uh, yeah, the power play... I mean, it runs hot and cold. It's hard to figure out when it's cold. And you just think, my goodness, like they've made it look so easy on so many nights this season. Why can't they just go back to the drawing board and what works for them? But uh, when it's a struggle, it is a struggle. A beautiful idiot on Twitter says, really impressed with Juleson. Wasn't able to see the whole game, but he's becoming the second coming of Luke Shen. Yeah, I mean, I think I understand what you're trying to say there. I mean, the guy gives it his best every night. Uh, brings a physical element. We talked about the pass to set up Garland on the on the one one goal. Uh, it, it, to me, it's just it's been a great redemption story for Noah Juleson, a guy that really looked like a tweener at the start of the season, and when he got in, he struggled, and it kind of felt like the moment was too big for him, and maybe that you know the this wasn't a an everyday kind of guy in the National Hockey League, and took his lumps early on and just has made the most of the opportunity to get in the lineup. Uh, this time it's because Carson Soucy's been out. And, you know, as Soucy gets closer to returning and we'll get an update on Carson Soucy when the Canucks get off the road here. But, you know, Noah Juleson, remember the last time uh, when Soucy came back from injury and, and Rick talk, talked about, like, how difficult it was to, to sit Noah Juleson down because he was playing that well, but ultimately... He, when they're completely healthy, I, I do think that Noah Juleson is still the seventh defenseman on this team, but I know that there are others that would love to see him stay in the lineup ahead of a player like like Tyler Myers. Uh, nice take on Twitter says, not enthusiastic about the lineup orientation or how we're looking slow to react when pressured, getting out scouted and not adapting to our systems. I don't know about getting out scouted. Uh, nobody was saying that when the Canucks were rattling off 5, 10, 12 wins in a row. I just, I sort of feel like these are the dog days. The addition of Lindholm has confused a little. They haven't really found the right spot for him. Uh, and so I do think there'll be a little bit more experimentation still to come there. Hockey Rules says Hughes and Hironic, they played half the game today. Uh, yeah, we just touched on Hughes. Hironic was up over 25 minutes. So uh, that's what happens. Like there are times when you don't have your top six and you need your best guys to step up. In tough situations, Hironic was terrific in Detroit on Saturday, and Quinn Hughes was at that level in this one. Ernie says Demko, very good. Hoaglander, definitely the unsung hero nominee. Not sure why he's not considered on either power play unit. Uh, just back to that middle thought about the unsung hero. There are so many candidates. Like, I'm not one that gets too worked up about year-end awards, but it's going to be fascinating this year. The MVP, I still think Quinn Hughes is the guy. 
But, you know, Elias Pettersson has now surged to the top of the team scoring derby. And obviously the season that JT Miller has had and Thatcher Demko as well, not to discount anything that Brock Besser has done. He's just gone quiet of late. But, you know, it'll be interesting. The the MVP and then ultimately unsung hero. I mean, Hoaglander, yes. I just mentioned Noah Juleson. I mean, at the outset of the season, I thought a guy like Ian Cole, uh, you know, some would say Dakota Joshua. I think Joshua and Garland get a lot of praise in this market and that their contributions do go noticed. So I don't know that they fit the criteria of unsung, but uh, we'll see how it plays out at the end of the season. Ultimately, Uh, lots of candidates for the Vancouver Canucks. And then you get to guys like Pia Suter and Teddy Bluger who have stepped in and done incredible things for this group as well. Casey DeSmith, I think, could be a candidate. Lorne says, Thatcher F and Demko. Yeah, uh, again, when... You know, when you need it, goaltending ultimately comes down to, you know, make that final save. And that's what he did. And, you know, Darcy Kemper has struggled to deliver victories for the Washington Capitals. And it wasn't that Kemper played poorly. Uh, but at the end, Thatcher Demko outduels him. He gets the win. And, and Darcy Kemper has to settle for the OTL. Travis says, Washington's a big team. And Demko stood on his head. Pretty fun back and forth game. Glad we got the win. Yeah, I mean... At the end, I mean, the, the tail end of overtime was back and forth, certainly. The final five minutes of the third, the, we talked about the Canucks and the power play that they had. I thought the Canucks were applying pressure in that third period, and that's where you just wanted to believe that they would have enough of an edge that somebody was going to come through and get the job done for them. And ultimately, it did turn out uh, to be JT Miller. So appreciate everybody in the feedback channels. We like to uh, always dip in there on a nightly basis uh, each and every podcast episode that we do after Canuck games. So keep those coming as the Canucks work their way down the stretch here and ultimately into the playoffs. Now, a day off on Monday, I'm sure, after back-to-back games, so the Canucks can just kind of catch their breath, but don't anticipate a lot in the way it changes. Uh, Zadorov's going to be suspended uh, for the second game here, so I would think that uh, you'll see Mark Friedman stay in unless the Canucks were to put a call in to the farm and bring somebody in for one game at the tail end of his road trip, but I don't anticipate that that's going to happen, and uh, you know, I, I am assuming that everybody got through this game unscathed, so I would look for the same 12 skaters, although I guess Sam Lafferty's an option now that uh, they've got healthy bodies up front. Maybe uh, plug Sam Lafferty in after sitting him down for two and see if he can respond or how he responds but, uh, you know, they're able to get three or four points here on the weekend. So maybe Rick Tockett just stays with the lineup that he's got. Now the Blackhawks, they've lost six in a row. They haven't played since Friday. They lost in overtime on Friday to the Rangers. Four to three was the final there. Hawks have been shut out in four of their last eight games, including a 2 nothing loss in Vancouver back on January 22nd, which of course was supposed to be Connor Bedard's. Uh, first game in the NHL in his hometown. Bedard's still on the shelf. He's back skating. He's getting closer, but he's not supposed to be ready to go on Tuesday. And so with no Connor Bedard, there just isn't a whole lot in this Blackhawks lineup. Jason Dickinson leads them 16 goals. Uh, Philip Kurashev is their top point producer with 27 points. With Bedard not playing, they've got the worst power play in the National Hockey League. So... Um, Look, the Canucks have beaten them twice, but they've had to work for both of them. They beat them 4-3 in Chicago before Christmas and then 2-0. They got a decent start and then just kind of held them off the rest of the way in that game in Vancouver last month. So end of the road trip for the Canucks, but opportunity is knocking in Chicago against 
one of the worst teams in the National Hockey League without its uh, superstar rookie. So, uh, you know, end of a business trip for the Canucks, and we'll see if they can take care of business at United Center. That's when we'll be back with our next uh, episode. Uh, we'll round up a co-host for that one. But uh, we got through the solo show here. The Vancouver Canucks defeat the Washington Capitals 3-2 to two in overtime. Garland is ninth of the year. Hoaglander is 16th. And JT Miller's 23rd goal of the season turns out to be the winner as the Canucks pick up their 35th victory of this campaign. Run the record to 35-12-6. Uh, for our producer, Mike Rogerson, behind the scenes, this is Jeff Patterson. Again, uh, we appreciate uh, your support and sticking with us here on Super Bowl Sunday. Hopefully you enjoyed the football game. Hopefully you enjoyed the hockey game. We'll be back with a new episode of Rick Wide Vancouver on Tuesday after the game from Chicago.